0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Drive Fitness program. Today, I'm going to try to do this whole episode without any retakes. So, if it's not perfect, I am sorry. I am not a perfect human. Okay. If you want a perfect podcast, I don't think they exist. Okay. So, you know, I'm just going to rift here. Do this whole episode from the dome piece, as they say. Before I get started with the episode, the app is out, guys. Not many people have downloaded it, so please go download Drive Fitness, the app. Something new is that I've created a bunch of new workout programs for the app, and Matt and I are working on like a discover page where you can go find these workout programs. But as of right now, recording this episode, that's not in place yet. So if you want one of my workout programs, we have a feature where I can share one of those programs with you in the app. You can't go find them unless you text me. So let me know if you want one of these programs. They're pretty cool. I'm not going to jump into it too much in this moment. But yeah, I I think that a lot of people could benefit from these programs and I I think you guys are going to really like them. Today's episode is going to be a solo episode. It is going to be a hero of mine slash a book review. I wanted to do episodes about my influences and my idols, people I really look up to for a while now. And it's kind of hard to pick the first guy. I picked Steve Jobs. I kind of forgot about Steve for a while. He kind of feels like everyone's idol in the tech industry. You know what I'm saying? But part of the reason I don't really like that is he was kind of an asshole and i feel like there's a lot of leaders in silicon valley today that feel like they just need to be assholes you know because steve was an asshole and he got shit done and you know i don't really quite agree with that i think that i think that you can be pretty effective without being a complete asshole maybe selectively i mean if you got to be an asshole to get the shit done you know you got to be an asshole but I, I don't like the fact that people feel like they're just being assholes just for the sake of like i'm steve was an asshole i'm going to be an asshole but yeah, he's kind of like over-glorified a little bit today. Sometimes I lean away from looking up to him too strongly, but I, I started rereading this book and I was like, oh my gosh, dude, Steve was such a big influence on my life, man. Like I was 10 years old, I got my first iPod mini, you know, and it was just like the best thing ever, dude. It, it I felt so inspired. It, it was such an amazing gadget. All of a sudden I had, you know, 200 songs, you know, on my little device here, I used to walk around with um, a Walkman, like a CD player. And I, I mean, I didn't really even enjoy music until then. It just, it just blew my mind. And from then on out, man, I would pay attention to every single Apple release. You know, I remember when the iPod with video players came out. I remember when the iPod touches came out and the iPhones and then the iPad, it was just such a big deal. It was just so amazing. He just, the way he sold his products was just so unbelievably influential to my life. I just, I don't know, it, it was just, as a small kid, like, looking up to him, it was just so inspirational. And I, I also was a fan of the Pixar movies, which I didn't even realize until later in life, you know, that he he actually owned Pixar as well. It's hard to say if there'd be anyone else who's had that much influence over my life from just, like, a young kid other than Steve. Oh, and part of the reason I really liked the book, too, is just because since I saw the end of his life, right, they say that movies are, so, uh, are more suspenseful sometimes when you know the ending. If someone ruins the end of a movie for you, you're going to actually pay more attention because you're kind of like, oh shit, I know what happens. And so this book it was super engaging for me and should be engaging for all of you who probably were alive during the same time because it's like, you know how he ends up. You know, you know you were there for the end of the story. It was a page turner. It was definitely a page turner for me. So this is a really high level overview of his career. I'm... I'm Certainly going to miss out some important stuff because he did so much, but just for the sake of this episode. So he met Steve Wozniak, I think around like college age, and Steve Wozniak was like this genius. He was working on all sorts of awesome circuit boards for computers, and they clicked automatically, And they started working on new ideas for computers together. And they got, you know, some deals with some other companies. But I'm going to skip over a little bit. And basically, they ended up starting Apple, right? And their second computer, the Apple II, was a huge success. It was more of a hacker's computer, right? Wozniak was kind of getting more of the credit back then. And he really wanted, like, anyone who was really into computers to be able to plug in any port they want. And, you know, really just have all the options with it. And so that's kind of the first time... Apple got success, right, is with their second computer, the Apple II. They had a third guy come in, and he was kind of the CEO of the company. I forget his name. But back then, Jobs was like in his 20s, like 24, 25, and he really wasn't the leader that he became. So he kind of like bumped around the company and and didn't really find his place until they put him as like the leader of the Mac team, the Macintosh team, Right. And so from the beginning, Steve was definitely innovative and creative and all that stuff, but he wasn't really like a team player. So he made the Macintosh amazing and he just made it like the biggest deal ever, but it really wasn't the company's only computer at the time, right? So it, it really didn't fit into like the business model. It kind of like out, outshined some of the other computers and maybe he went on some interviews, right? When they were trying to sell the Apple three or whatever, and he just kept talking about how the the Macintosh is coming soon. So he really wasn't being a team player. And I, I don't think he was really working with everyone in the company. He just had his little team of the Macintosh. And that was kind of like everything they, for him. But the reason the Macintosh was so much different than the previous computers was he really made it user experience focused, right? So he removed all the little, the way you could open it up and and interact with different ports, you know, like for the hacker computer. And he closed all that off and he made it much more user experience. And at some point they put in a GUI, a, a graphical user interface, right? That might've been this computer. I might be getting that wrong. But essentially this was... Much more for the everyday user, right? Not just the hacker guy. And the Macintosh was a very big success. But like I said, Steve didn't really get along with everyone at the company. And now I'm definitely skipping forward in the timeline a little bit here. He was butting heads with whoever was the CEO at the time, right? And eventually that turned into like a me or him situation with the board. Also, just at this time, Jobs seemed super emotional and like he would cry all the time. I was kind of surprised by that. One thing that really stuck out to me is they were picking like employee ID numbers and they gave like Steve not Wozniak employee number one and Steve Jobs employee number two. And Jobs like literally like cried his eyes out and like ran out of the room crying like a baby. <laughs> it's just like what the heck dude I did not know he was that emotional about shit being the little creative duty he is he was like okay I'll be employee ID number 0 then and then they went to the bank, and the bank said, "No, every employee i d has to be like a positive number, and then he cried again or whatever so that's just a little like insight on kind of his personality. He seemed like super obnoxious to like work with I mean he was my age like twenty six years old one of the highest in command at this company, and just being an emotional little prick at times it seemed like, but I guess his kind of emotions and just the way he was also drove perfection and you know great products but Anyways, I would say that he really, he was kind of meant to just be the leader, right? And not really meant to follow the rules. And so he wasn't following the rules. He kind of butted heads with, with the CEO. And it kind of turned into a me or him situation, right? With the company. I'm pretty sure that they let the whole company vote on it. Everyone basically told him, like, we really don't want you to leave, man. But, but you know, we don't really want you running the company right now. So they all voted for the other guy, right? And so that was a huge blow for him. He was super emotional, And he left. He left Apple in like the 80s. He didn't know what to do. So he just started like a competitor um, computer company called Next. He had a lot of failures at Next, but it allowed him to like really like fail properly. Right. You know, it it, it does take a lot of failures in the startup world to kind of like learn, learn things for yourself, I guess. And so he was able to work out all of his ideas and try a bunch of random shit and just kind of fail and fail and fail again, right? Because he had all that money from Apple when he left. He kind of cashed out on it. And so it was a very creative time period of his life. On top of this computer company, right, he also... I think this is when he did object-oriented programming, too. He still made some big leaps while at Next, but he obviously wasn't, like, profiting enough, like, as a business, right? But then one of the most profitable things he did do during this time period is... He bought Pixar, right? And so I didn't really know this. George Lucas Films had this like animation section of the company. And they didn't really know what to do with it after the Star Wars movies. So he sold it. I don't, I don't remember to who, but that company became Pixar. And then Steve Jobs ended up buying it. He ended up buying it for the technology, right? He probably thought he could put it in the computer or something. He didn't really expect to m- make a bunch of money off movies and stuff with it but he started getting really creative with Pixar and you know they started working on some like animated shorts and eventually they signed a deal with Disney Over Toy Story, right? Disney and Pixar had this kind of like drama going between the two of them where Disney thought they were kind of the creative control and and they were just outsourcing some of their animations to Pixar and Pixar thought they were the creative control and they were just, you know, outsourcing their distribution to Disney, right? But they ended up having like this 50-50 deal with Disney in which they would make movies, right? And so Toy Story became a huge success, and that's actually made Jobs so much money. And he he kind of said that he wouldn't have bought the company if he thought they were just going to make movies with it at first. He was kind of buying it for the technology, but it was a really good thing for him. It was a super good thing for his career, and, and Pixar became his new like little baby. So meanwhile, he's keeping necks afloat, you know, because Pixar is doing so well. He's trying out a bunch of stuff, and I think he has to sacrifice some of the hardware and just make... Software for next if i'm not correct and i'm gonna get into this a little later but his whole thing with apple was he wanted to do end-to-end solutions for customers right he wanted to provide them the hardware and the software you know because he had this belief that the two go hand in hand right and he thought that microsoft was like idiots because they were just doing the the horizontal business approach of selling their software to different computer companies and he wanted to do the vertical approach right of having a hardware software solution end-to-end solution boom everything for the customer because he felt like it, it was a superior product right and so he had to make some sacrifices at next to the point where he really wasn't doing what he wanted, you know, I think he had to just basically sell his software. And that kind of bummed him out. At, at the same time as all of this, right, Apple is getting run into the ground, right, that they, they really were just trying to make a profit. One of his big things too uh, that they tell you at the end of the book is that he was very focused on products, not profit, If you focus on the profit, you know, the products end up getting diminished. And he says, you know, a company will get complacent after they make some good products. They start glorifying like the salesman because like, oh, how do we sell these products? And you really got to make sure you glorify the, pro- the products the whole time, you know, even if you get big enough to, to the point where selling the products is really important, right? So he made some good products at Apple. But then once he left, the focus turned into just let's sell these products, right? And so that works for a while. But over time, you know, you start to turn out worse and worse products. And Apple stock was diminishing and they didn't have like a really good product in a while. And Microsoft, I think they had like 95% of the market share at that point, And Apple had like 5%. So they were really in the toilet. And basically, it, it it got to the point where they wanted to partner with someone like next. He was trying to strike up the deal with Apple. He was trying to talk to some, someone else about buying Apple. And then it slowly turned into like, well... Maybe I can convince Apple to buy next, right? And then he could take over Apple from the inside, right? And, the, you know, his friend was like, well, why don't we just buy it? And he's like, obviously, this is not about money, you know? He didn't even care if he got absorbed as long as he got more of a say in what happened at Apple after he got bought out rather than swing a big dick, I guess, and, and buy the whole company. And so he struck up a deal with Apple in which they would buy next, right? And they were like super desperate at this time. And man, it was crazy. So as soon as he got there, it was kind of obvious he was going to run the show again, but it took a little while for things to work themselves out. And then eventually the board fired the CEO and they told jobs, they wanted him to be CEO. And he was like, all right, maybe, which was like, okay, dude, don't you want this? And then slowly he like went into the boardroom and told them, he was like, all right, if I'm going to be CEO, like all of you are fired, you are fired. And he, and they were like, Okay, (laughs) and so he like fired the whole board of Apple, because I guess they were just like, all right, we want to get out of here at this point. But he basically just started running everything, you know, kind of his personality. And so he fired the whole board, uh, except for like one or two people, and then immediately just like ran through the whole company and just started deleting projects left and right. You know, he was like, this product sucks, this product sucks, this product sucks, get rid of all this shit and had them focus in on just a couple products. And then he immediately hit up a new deal with Microsoft, right? Just because they were kind of behind in the software game. And so Microsoft was going to start making some, I think, applications for them. And so all of a sudden Apple was doing well again, right? And then I'm going to skip forward in the timeline. Things start going well with, you know, Apple and their, the iMac. I think it was because this is the one that connected to the internet, right? And then we start like jumping forward to, you know, like our timeline. If you're my age, where like we start remembering things. Once their computers were doing well, again, he started looking for new industries to to break into and he started realizing all these music players were some crap. So then he put together, you know, the first iPod and that was, you know, amazing and all this stuff. And so at this point in his career, he has like 10 huge, amazing ideas all in one. I might be forgetting something here, but the iPod was really revolutionary, right? The iTunes store was extremely revolutionary that they put together. It kind of saved the music industry as far as like no one was paying for music. And now all of a sudden people were paying for music. Let's see. I might be skipping a step here. But he had the Apple stores, which were a huge deal, right? He didn't like the idea of someone else selling the Apple computers. And so he kind of revolutionized what it meant to go in and buy a product in a store, right? And they they designed the store to be based off of the things you would do on a computer instead of their different products. So they had like a music section, a video section. Then it was... They started working on the iPad before the iPhone, actually, which I forgot. But then they they took that technology and they applied it to phones, right? Because they were really worried that if someone figured out how to put music on a phone, it would render the iPod absolute, you know? So they did the iPhones. They did, obviously, then the iPads. They did the iCloud, which was a big deal because there was other cloud providers, right, that, you know, would allow you to store all your data uh, up in the cloud and none of them were doing it right. So... They put together the iCloud, which gave them end-to-end control from the hardware to the software to the cloud storage unit, all the way down to the stores where everything was sold in, right? It was wild. I might be forgetting something in there. Oh, he also created the App Store. So he completely revolutionized the way we use websites, and especially on mobile, interact with websites. He also did a lot for marketing and commercials. The iPod commercials were fucking crazy. And... Yeah, his product presentations were also on another level. But then, obviously, he gets cancer and he has a bunch of health problems I'm not going to jump into. And, yeah, he, he kind of died young. It's sad. But I think the iPad was the last, like, big thing he did before he died around this time period, too. He, he bumped head with, with Microsoft the whole time around the computer industry. And then during the mobile era, he bumped heads with Google and their Android devices the whole time. And, yeah, so maybe that's a little bit more than just a brief overview But that was his life, man. And it was a pretty freaking awesome book to read. I really loved it. It was like I read it in like two days or three days just because it was such a page turner. Now, to kind of go into like how this applies to Drive Fitness and why I was so inspired by it. Yeah, man, I've always wanted to create the gym right the drive fitness gym and i've just been obsessed with this idea of like no like we need to control the software and the gym and he was really big on the like control he wanted apple to just kind of like control everything and he just thought it would make the user experience better you know and he had this attitude of like they don't know what they want you got to tell them what they want and you know i i forgot why you know at times in my journey like why do i want to own the gym because people kept trying to like convince me no dude just sell your software to other gyms you know and like that would be the Microsoft approach here, you know, and I really believe that if I were to own the gym myself, like I could create this crazy, amazing experience where like the whole the whole exercise experience is gamified and the software connects with the, the equipment you're using and all the I just think the possibilities are endless, you know, and that it, it could be a much, much like higher quality experience if somehow I could actually own a gym in life and be the people that produce the software, you know. It'd be even better if I could create the equipment and all that stuff too. But at least those two components I know would give me this more end-to-end approach. I forgot that, duh, this came from Steve Jobs and his phones and his computers with the software. He was able to give users that kind of experience and it just got better and better with time as he went smaller and into more mobile devices. Everything from even the stores and stuff too, you know, they just reminded me that like, okay, yeah, you can create great experiences. You can create great products if you kind of just... You it, you got to be a little bit more of a control freak, but there are some benefits of doing that right. You know, like if you can pull it off and do it right, it's better than just going for profits and being like, oh my gosh, I made software. Now I can sell this to a bunch of gyms. I'm like reminded that like, no, you know, stick to my instincts and my intuition because he was very, he wasn't like the smartest guy ever, but he had this like instinct and this intuition about things and... I don't know. You would think that I would listen and read this book and be like, wow, I'm not a genius like that. But I kind of really connected to it. And I'm like, I feel like I have this instinct and this intuition about where technology can go in the fitness industry. And I just need to stick to my gut sometimes and just be kind of stubborn and just go for it. I feel like I know what people need instead of giving them what they want. I don't know. I was just reminded that like, uh, I should just do it. You know, I should just at some point, I should just go for it and believe in myself. So it was really inspirational on that level. I also really liked the way he talked about how there's this beautiful zone between the liberal arts and humanitarian studies, right? And technology, right? So the like, just like music combined with technology or the arts combined with technology, right? I, I just think that there's like this, this he just said there's this like amazing spot like right in the middle and part of the reason apple was like such a good company is it wasn't just a technology company they had the arts flowing through it right and i I really like those two intersections too right and i think that on top of that i feel like there's a lot of art and and technology that can be kind of brought out of the health industry too and, and out of fitness i think fitness can be an art in itself right and and health and all that stuff and and infusing that with technology right could have a lot of possibilities and someone else I almost did for the first episode was Walt Disney. Both him and Steve jobs had this passion for the arts and technology and they both found themselves in animation at one point in time. Right. Obviously Steve bought out Pixar lately. Right. I, I found myself building animations as well. Right. For the the exercises in the app, I didn't really ever intend to go into animation, but I'm just following this passion of like art and technology and that's kind of where it meets and it just kind of let me know that I'm on the right path with these animations instead of doing like videos or something. I'm just like no this is it's the harder route, right It's much harder for me to build these 3D animations and put them into the app but it's 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 gonna in the long term grow into a better company that has an appreciation for art not just fitness and technology, but to find the beauty in it all right and find like kind of the art artistry and the passion. In it, And make sure that's kind of woven into the core of my company, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't want us to lose that. And I feel like, you know, maybe a company like Fitbit is just focused on like technology and fitness, but there's no like beauty in it. There's no like, just like imagination in what they're doing, you know, it's got to be creative. Like if you want your company to last in the long run, it's got to be this creative. element that's just woven into the foundation right it's not something we can add in later on you know you just can't yeah you can't do that later on by the way i'm I'm currently looking for an animator because i stopped working with the one who made us the original animation so if you are an animator who wants to work with us let us know but i'm probably going to add an animator as the third guy on the team or the second person that's not me right so we'd have matt who's a technologist and then An animator who's more of an artist you know and I think that would be a good foundation for our company to have more of an artist you know as the third person on the team even before we put a business guy on the team right I just think that's that's kind of the next thing I want to do is is complete out these animations but it also would give the company a better foundation as I was saying so I'm pretty excited to I I just just let me know that I'm on the right path with all that and uh, I'm gonna wrap this up soon, but I, I I feel like I'm rambling for a little bit too. I've been rambling a little too long, but yeah, man, I I definitely would recommend reading this book. He's kind of a lot of people's idols, but Steve is just a really impressive guy, man. He he really he just got it, you know, and he he was really passionate about it, and he just really chased down the things he believed in, and you know, I think that as long as I stick to that, and all of us, right, we just stick to the things that we kind of feel and believe in and not just make business decisions out here for what's going to make us the most money, even if it doesn't pan out in the long run, I think it's going to be like a life, like a fulfilled life, you know, something that you're going to be proud of when you look back on, you know, I think I'd rather just have one gym where I control the software and I have maybe 100 or 200 users than sell my software to every gym in the whole country. You know, I just think that I'd be happier looking back on that scenario where I was more of a control freak and I, I didn't make as much money, but I had a vision. I didn't sacrifice it and I, I stayed true to myself, you know. And he, you know, he got kicked out of his company at one point, but he stayed true to himself the whole time. And he didn't really let other people tell him what was right. You know, he he, he stuck to his guns and stuck to what he knew. And yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely worth reading. The same author... I forget his name, but he has three other books I'm going to read. One on Benjamin Franklin, one on Leonardo da Vinci, and one on Albert Einstein. So I kind of like this author, and I'm definitely going to read those books. Maybe I'm going to make some videos about them as well. But definitely check out this one on Steve, dude, because, I mean, I'm literally making this video on a Mac right now. And... He just really just, more than any other person in a long time, he just pulled us into the future, like literally grabbed society and yanked us up and gave us all the tools to be entrepreneurs and all the tools to be like creative artists and just really just revolutionized the whole world, you know? So I'm gonna leave it at that. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Sorry, it wasn't as well thought out. This is more of a rant, but you know, I know a lot about Steve, so I just figured, fuck it, dude. And I'm... He kind of got me in this mindset of, like, I got to do shit. I can't waste time on this podcast because I got to perfect the other shit I'm doing, you know? So, hope you guys enjoyed it. Adios. Peace out.